Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Reagan, joined by John, and today we've got mostly playing tournament news to talk about, but we're going to start with some NFL moves that happened recently some of which you probably are aware of already. But let's start with talking about OBJ going to the Ravens, which is a pretty cool move for him. Yeah, that happened a few days ago, but I wanted to touch on it because we were out for for Monday. Um, Yeah, that's a move that substantially helps, I think, the the Ravens' chances of keeping Lamar Jackson. We talked about it, I think it was Friday. Um, Or was it Friday? It was last week, sometime last week. Uh, And basically what we talked about is that, you know, Oh, if uh, if the Ravens are not able to land OBJ, that's really just their fault alone because uh, there's a lot of teams that are out there in the running for him, but they have the cap space, they have the need uh, to be able to sign him. So with all the factors, been it was either them stopping themselves or they get him, and they did the right thing and it was able to sign him, um, which I think is going to help them keep Lamar Jackson. Apparently, he's signed with the expectation that Lamar Jackson is going to be uh, his his quarterback, uh, so that's going to be something that um, it seems like Lamar Jackson's sticking around, and that seems like it's where everything's headed. They FaceTimed after the news broke and everything like that, so everything kind of points to that there'll be a uh, a, ten, or a team uh, for at least uh, next season. We'll have to see what happens after that, but I mean, it kind of shows that the Ravens know how serious Lamar Jackson is uh, about possibly leaving if the Ravens didn't start listening to some of his requests and some of his desires as 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 their franchise quarterback uh, which he's been asking for a, a weapon at wide receiver for some time now uh, and like we know their you know number one wide receiver isn't even really a wide receiver it's Mark Andrews so getting a guy like OBJ into that lineup uh, is going to significantly help their chances their defense is already pretty pretty built out they've been working on that the last couple of seasons and trying to make it better and better and as he talked about a lot this te- this defense has actually become pretty pretty stout their offense on the other hand has become stagnant and uh, Lamar Jackson obviously wants help with the side of the ball that he is on and if you're not going to get to him then some other team would be more than happy to do so so I think this is a good step in the right direction as far as the Ravens patching up the relationship with Lamar Jackson and trying to keep him around uh, because I don't think Lamar Jackson just wants to piece out for the Ravens. I think you know there's there's a, there's a chance for them to try to you know fix things up and keep things in the right direction. And this is one of the moves that's going to help. But just as far as on the football field, I think when you add him in there and you're giving Lamar Jackson an opportunity to work at and hone his skills as a passer, and you're not forcing him just to being a running quarterback, that's going to help him mature more in his game as well. And we know OBJ is a very reliable target. We know what he's been able to do if you get the ball into his hands. Um, we also know that he's going to be the number one guy, so there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him to touch the football, which is going to help him maybe even want to stick around for a few more seasons and help this team move in the right direction. And then I think when you get into the playoffs, because this team has always had the issue when they get into the playoffs, they always just kind of hit a wall because, or even right before they get to the playoffs, because they just put all this pressure on Lamar Jackson and they really don't have anyone on the side, Mark Andrews and maybe DuVernay, to throw the football to. Uh, and they've always invested in running backs and and trying to figure that out. Uh, but Lamar Jackson is your, kind of your running back. Now they have a guy that's going to be able to help them you know, expand their offense a little bit, get guys outside the box a little bit on the defense end, and allow for some more running uh, from either their, from Lamar Jackson or from their running backs, which is just going to open up another facet of this game. So 
uh, strategically, I think this is a great move for them in both Lamar Jackson negotiations and also in the uh, can we win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years conversation for the Ravens. Now, does it boost them really high up? I mean, I think on paper it does. I think when you add OBJ to any sort of lineup, excuse me, that it improves your chance significantly. But how well are they going to use them? How well are they going to put them in there? That's going to be the fun of understanding this team because now – not only can Lamar Jackson injure his, with his legs, we also seen him have a decent arm in the in the throwing game uh, the last couple of seasons, some good passes, and I think we'll get a little bit better as things take along. And then you got OBJ that can open things up in the Mark Andrews. So playing this team offensively now is a little more scary, and you have to put a little more time and energy into figuring out how to stop not just Lamar Jackson but other guys that are around him. Um, I mean, the only way you can make it even better for yourself at this point is also looking at drafting another wide receiver in in the draft, uh, because at that point, then you can get another rising star to come in and help once OBJ, you know, is trying to figure out what he wants to do after the season's over. And uh, if he wants to stick around, sign another, you know, another year contract or whatever the case may be, that opens up a lot of possibilities as well. So that's kind of some other path that they could look at going down as well. But I think overall, this move to get OBJ in a Ravens uh, uniform and, and allow him to play uh, with the flock is going to be a, uh, a move that I think is going to pay great dividends in the long run. And I think if they play their chips right, could, could put them in a conversation for making a deep playoff push. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. Uh, let's talk about Mac Jones' move, which is I think this is a very interesting uh, situation in New England. What do you think is going to happen with their quarterback situation? Yeah, apparently – and I didn't know this, and probably a lot of people did not, is they've been shopping around Mac Jones this offseason uh, and, and trying to call teams up about what that what they'd be able to or be willing to pay for uh, Mac Jones and would they be willing to trade him. Um, and we kind of, you know, honestly kind of felt a little bit like something was going on within the Patriots organization uh, as Zappy came in last season. And we had talked, we've been talking about all of that, you know, the you know, the Bledsoe Tom Brady drama back then. And now you got something similar brewing in new England. Apparently he's lost uh clout within the organization of the, uh, of, of the Patriots. Belichick does, just doesn't want him anymore. Uh, I think they want to move on to Zappy. Now you could blame the, the Patriots for this by giving him two guys that aren't even offensive minded to be his offensive coordinator. Uh, you could look at that and you could also look at about the fact that this team doesn't have great wide receivers. I mean, they got they had Jacoby Myers, uh, they had Jonu. I think he got traded away, so they're not they're not great as far as the wide receiver corps at the, or uh, group of this of this team. Um, but you know their their running back team was decent. But overall, this offense hasn't been great. And I think they're in a similar situation that the Ravens have been in, where they're trying to figure out who to add in, who to you know how to piece everything together. And over the last few seasons, they've been trying to, you know, build up with all these superstar players, guys that have had success in the past, and put them onto their defense and offense. And then that didn't really work out for them. Maybe, you know, semi, but not great. Uh, and they've been trying to do that the last two seasons. And now Matt Jones is unfortunately at that that time in their career where certain players get drafted high and 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 get you take a gamble on them, and then they come in and they're not sitting well within the organization, and then they are on their way out, and they're going to find their way into a different franchise. I mean, Baker Mayfield is in a similar situation, or has been in a similar situation that I was creating. Now he's in Tampa and giving an opportunity there. But with Matt Jones, I mean, like I said, it's rough. I mean, this situation with the Patriots has been rough. He hasn't been able to really prove his talents uh, and prove his capabilities fully. I mean, we've seen a few of the things that he can do really well. We've seen a few of the, had seen him have a few opportunities, but 
in the long run, he hasn't really been able to kind of grow and mold himself because in the very key second year, the Patriots just changed everything about their offensive staff because uh, McDaniels took the offense or the head coaching job at the Raiders. So now he's trying to figure stuff out. And then Zappi comes in and he's playing with a little bit of chip on his shoulder to prove he's better uh, and, you know, made some better plays. And Matt Jones is kind of trying to figure out how to get the confidence back. And then Belichick is like, okay, I'm done. And, you know, they and they kind of just moving on from him. But I heard that the Bucks were a team that they were looking at as a possible suitor uh, for for Mac Jones. Obviously, that didn't work out. Nothing kind of materialized from that. But it feels like Zappy is going to be the new face of. Well, New Well, do you England, think this? Do you think that this all started in that when that uh, when Mac Jones went down? I think it was last season, and Zappy came in and had those really good three games while he was down or that stretch. Do you think that started this whole thing? Yeah, I do. I think it's one of those we, things. Because we talked about like, that when that happened, and we both thought that Zappy was going to be taking over after that. Yeah, you could already feel something was wrong uh, with, with New England and Mac Jones and that they didn't want Mac Jones there as much anymore because you could Belichick was non-committal like the entire rest of the season about who's their starting quarterback. They would never comment on who's going to be their starting quarterback, who's going to be, who's going to be, and we had to draw conclusions from that. And they just kind of went back and forth a little bit. The end of the season came around. They did nothing. They had a you know crash and burn ending. Uh, they, you know, are trying to rearrange their coaching staff, rearrange their players. Everything is just pushing to out the old and with the new. And regardless if you're new within a year or two, you're still old, right? You're still yeah, it's old just about who fits the scheme better. And apparently Zappy was able to make do with even the weird situation, like you said, with the offensive coordinators. So I think, yeah, I think, you know, and plus like Zappy wasn't in the McDaniels off our um, scheme and then pushed into a brand new scheme and then push from that scheme into a newer scheme, right? Like things are happening. Things are changing all the time within that Patriots organization. With Zappi, he came in last season, played a few games, you know, probably just memorized the bare minimum because he obviously wasn't taking first team reps at that point. So he was probably just, you know, kind of a guy that's like, okay, here's the bare minimum of the playbook. Come in, memorize these plays, try to figure out this stuff and put you on the football field. He did well with doing that. And then once they're done with the shifting of the pieces of everything and everything kind of settles and the dust settles, Matt Jones is the outcast because he's trying to figure out, you know, I memorized this one and then memorized that one. That was not really working out for me. I'm trying to figure out what fits me. And Zappy's like anything works for me because I mean, I'm not really set in anything yet. I'm still completely moldable as a quarterback. And if you're Belichick, I imagine you're thinking to yourself, okay, yeah, I'd rather have that than Matt Jones, who in a couple years I'm going to have to pay you. And if he has success, I'm going to have to pay him more with Zappy. I've got an extra year on him before I have to even think about that. Uh, and, and that just opens up a lot more opportunities. I can do what I want with the playbook because, you know, there's not things that he's more comfortable with and all of that. So I think that's probably going to be what's kind of way the fadges, but it kind of feels like Mike Jones's time with the Patriots is running very, very short. Uh, and Zappy has an opportunity, but if I'm Zappy, I'm scared to death that, you know, same thing will happen to me because it seems like Belichick, uh, is expecting the next Tom Brady, which is a pretty hefty, uh, pretty hefty thing to have to, you know, put yourself into. So, but yeah, that's, I mean, I was shocked to see that Mac Jones is being shopped around because yeah, I thought something was going on, but I didn't expect it to be a uh, uh, a separation, if you will, between the two two, uh, two sides. Yeah. All right, real quickly before we talk about playing tournament basketball, uh, what's going on with Devin White? Yeah, Devin White requested a, um, a trade from the Tampa Buccaneers yesterday. I want to say, uh, and the Bucks basically said, you know, we have zero interest in trading you, but I've kind of feel like for a Bucks fan this is the new reality 
right? A lot of guys joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they wanted the opportunity to win a championship and play with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's gone. Gronk's gone. All the guys, uh, Bruce Arians is no longer the head coach. And now Todd Bowles, right? The defense isn't what it used to be. You saw some downfall there. Todd Bowles can't be in two places at once. It's going to take some time to renovate the defense, get that new coach in there, get everything going on the singular path. So I think, you know, you're going to get into a situation where you're going to have a lot of guys on this defense and possibly some of the offense that are just like, okay, I, I kind of want to move on to the next chapter of my life because I like, like Dame is doing in Portland. I don't want to go through a rebuild. I want to get to a chance to, you know, play for the championship and why we play this sport is to win, especially where we're at in our careers. Uh, and you know, Devin, why I think is in the middle of a, like almost in a contract year. So he doesn't want to, you know, sign a big deal where he has to, play for Tampa for the next couple of years and probably not be anywhere close to competitive. So I could see this being kind of the new reality for Tampa over the next couple of seasons as guys, um, guys' contracts are coming up and as opportunities come, come for them to get into free agency and stuff for them just to say, okay, it's time for me to, you know, test the waters a little bit or get into a team when I think I can succeed a little bit more than I can in Tampa. But if I'm Tampa, I don't, I'm not, I mean, personally, I, I think you need to think, a little more than just this season because, yeah, you had the guys stick, still around, right? You can think, you know, defense will win you championships because Baker Mayfield might not be a long-term solution and we want to keep guys around. But honestly, I mean, you could probably send him to the Bears and they'd be happy with getting him because they need some defense to help after getting rid of everybody. I mean, you could send him to the Dolphins. They're trying to – they're adding a bunch of guys in there now. They do have a couple new linebackers, but – but still, I mean, you get him there. Maybe the Rams would take him. They're purging everybody. Maybe they would be willing to trade for him. Probably wouldn't get a high pick from him because they don't have any first rounders. But still, maybe they'd be willing to, you know, entertain that. Maybe the Lions would be inter- interested in entertaining that to get some, um, you know, a veteran guy in there to, you know, even boost that defense up even higher. Uh, there's teams around the National Football League that would be willing to take some of these guys off Tampa's paybook and put them on theirs or checkbook and put them on theirs. Uh, but the problem is, I think Tampa is just struggling with you know, wanting to let these guys go. And I get it, right? This is like sports. You want to keep the superstars and you want them to help them win. But there's two sides to that. And it's two sides of the same coin, right? You hold on to them too long and they, you know, aren't able to help you and you're forced to get rid of them. Or you get rid of them too soon and, you know, they have still a couple of good years with left and then they end up playing you and they destroy you and they beat you, right? So either way, you're kind of stuck in a situation where it's you want to do it the perfect amount of time, right? And, at this point, you you kind of have to look at it and say, Tampa, no matter if you want to or not, you're kind of forced forced into a situation where Tom Brady's retirement has kind of forced into a situation where you don't know how if Kyle Trask is your answer. You don't know if Mike Evans or Chris Godwin uh, or these guys that are or you know Scotty Miller, I think has already have left even the Tampa Buccaneers. So guys are leaving, and more of this is going to happen, in my opinion, over time. And as the season progresses, and as more seasons kind of tick along, <clears throat> excuse me, that just get in front of it, just get in front of it, and make it your thing. Like make it make things happen the way you want them to happen. Get as much as you possibly can from these players because these guys will get you, you know, first, second round draft choices. A lot of these guys that you have in this organization. Uh, and most of these guys would be more happy playing for a different organization that has a quarterback that has the correct stuff around them that they know they could succeed and win next to. So I think this Devin White's thing might be the tip of the iceberg over the next couple of seasons of what's coming uh, available. We know right now that they said they have zero interest in trading 
uh, Devin White, but I think at the same time you need to be careful with how long you drag your feet on that. But a little bit of drama brewing in, in Tampa um, with Devin White, you know, being one of the first guys to kind of announce his uh, disinterest in sticking around. Yeah. Well, that is an unfortunate thing for Tampa fans, but uh, hopefully they're able to, like you said, get some picks maybe if they end up trading him or some of the other guys as well. All right, let's talk basketball. Last night we saw the Hawks win, mm-hmm. um, and we saw the Lakers win. <laughs> uh, I don't know how they won. Let's talk about those games. Let's talk about the Lakers game mostly, though, because that was the weirdest game I felt to have that result. Yeah. Uh, first of all, um, the that uh, as you probably know, but for those that don't, the playing tournament is the those teams that played last night were the higher two seeds of the. Of, they were seven and eight. Um, so because of that, they, if they lose, they get an opportunity to play the winner of the, um, of the lower two seats. So whoever wins tonight will have to then play the Timberwolves and whoever wins on the other side, which is, I believe Toronto and Chicago will then be forced to play, um, the heat. So that's kind of where we sit. And then the Celtics are now playing the Hawks because they won and the Lakers now playing Memphis, uh, because they won. And, um, then there's, you know. I mean, that's going to be a very interesting two matchups to watch. But as far as the games, the Lakers at the beginning of that Timberwolves game looked horrendous. I mean, they, they just did not were not able to knock down any sort of shots. They were just stuffed at every opportunity. Uh, their defense was lacking significantly. They're kind of just out hustled, outplayed, um, outperformed for a huge chunk of that game. I mean, up until the third quarter, the Timberwolves still had a, you know, a 10 point lead on the Lakers and they were just continuing to, every time the Lakers started to dry a little, or draw a little blood, the, um, the Timberwolves had some sort of answer, some sort of three, some sort of something to get them ahead again. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, right before halftime, after they checked it right before halftime, um, was a perfect from, you know, perfect hundred percent from three and from, um, mid-range so he didn't miss anything um, and they just you know knocked down everything possible everything you would want um, and that kind of lasted for him for a while but then what I said about b- basketball a lot is you can't play a perfect game it's impossible where you play perfectly um, pedal to the metal for the entire game uh, and, and just dominate a team unless you're playing you know a completely bad matchup that's just not not fair like a bunch of rookies bench a bunch of guys have been playing for like 30 years right whatever um but in this game i mean the Timberwolves played great throughout the entire thing but the lakers kept themselves relevant right at times they you know got on a little bit of hot streak got within 10 and kind of kept that going a little bit even if the if the shooting got worse they still were keeping themselves head above water a little bit and then in the fourth quarter it's like I watched a completely different Timberwolves team. I mean, they missed everything, turnover, turnover. They couldn't stop the Lakers inside. The Lakers just dominated in there, started getting their way, and just bullied the Timberwolves into the point where, and at the very end of the fourth quarter, Anthony Davis got a, a foul on Conley and hit him in the arm, and that gave him the three points that were necessary to take it into overtime. But they that 10-point lead vaporized and to the point where they were even having to play from behind and play with a little more energy. And that's kind of where how basketball works, where if you keep yourself relevant enough, even if you have a bad first quarter, first half, first three-fourths of a game, you still have an opportunity. Um, and I think, you know, and then they got into overtime, and I think the, the Lakers scored like 10 points, and I think the Timberwolves scored like four points total in that, in that. 
extra period, and the Lakers were able to kind of get their way into it. Now, I've seen a ton uh, on the on social media and on uh, on you know the pick and bracket for NBA and, and all of that that talk about how the Lakers should be able to beat Memphis. Um, you know, like I think it's like fifty one percent of people paid Memphis to lose, um, and, and the Lakers to win that game. And we'll cover all of that, uh, you know, in a future podcast when I have a chance to study a little more. But right now, the way I feel about that is I don't really fully understand that. Um, the The Lakers are can be competitive at times, but you know, throughout the season, yeah, they had a hot streak coming into this and they were playing really well, but. Throughout the season, we've seen times where this Lakers team looked, you know, bottom of the barrel. Like, no one was hitting any shots. Everyone just was just kind of missing everything. Everything kind of looked super flat. No one was really able to get everything going, and that lasted for a consistent full game. And then they had games where they actually were able to get something going and kind of keep their keep themselves in the game and then maybe even sneak in a victory or whatever. But it's just you have to do what the Timberwolves do. Keep Anthony Davis. You, you know, you could double-team him as much as you want. Keep him kind of out of the game. And then, you know, you know, keep, keep a guy on everyone else and kind of keep things going like that because Andy Davis is really only good from inside the paint. So if you're able to bottle him up a little bit and keep him on an island, I would take my chances with pretty much anyone else on that roster. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell, I'm, I mean, I'm not that scared of him. Dennis Schroeder at times, if he's on, maybe I'd you know, take a little more care with him. Uh, Austin Reeves, I think he's the second guy you have to really worry about. And then I say LeBron James after that. But this Memphis Grizzlies team has a very angry um, attitude about them. And the way they play the game of basketball is a very aggressive version of basketball. And then you got John Morant, who is just going to carve you up inside. Um, and they're not really going to take a no for an answer. I think this this Memphis team should be able to handle the Lakers. Now, will they drop a game? It's possible. I always pick um five games that's kind of that's kind of where i kind of average as far as how many games it is to decide a series because i think even the teams that you would expect to be heavy heavy underdogs sometimes they're able to pull off the 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 upset over a team in one of those games it's usually like the second maybe you know second or third game in that series where they're able to sneak one in there whether it's fatigue or whether that's just them not being as prepared as they need to be or the kids may be so i think maybe the lakers could pull one of those off but the lakers are a beatable team for sure and I think Memphis is just the better squad of the two. I think, you know, and like I said, we'll talk about this like at length in another episode when I'll do my official picks and whatnot. But where I sit right now, I'm a little surprised by that. But then on the other side, and you got the Heat and the Hawks playing. Unfortunately, um, I I thought the Hawks would beat them. That's kind of, I think a lot of people did. But the Heat are not going to have to either play the Raptors or Chicago. I think Chicago's going to lose the Raptors tonight, if I had to guess. I think the Raptors... Are just the better of the two teams. I think the the um, the 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 Bulls at times have played well. I think um, Patrick Beverly is a little bit of a nuisance, if you will. He's very aggressive. He wants to get after you. He hustles. He you know he pounds at you. But I think he's one of the guys that are more aggressive, like we talked about, where he's not aggressive to the point where you get a bunch of technicals, but he's aggressive in the form that he's playing. Uh, you know, running through a wall if he asks you to get the ball from you, and and he's gonna play you at a little more of a nagging level. And, you know, D'Angelo, uh, not D'Angelo, sorry, um, DeMar and Rosen and, you know, these guys that they've got that have success at times, but there's also times where there's, it's inconsistent. And when I see a team like the Raptors, who can definitely play big if they wanted to, and they can, you know, get a ton of blocks, 
a ton of steals, and they're very good at the defense end and the offensive end. They're really good at threes, and they knock them down consistently. I'm always going to pick the consistent team because they've proven that they could do it you know, consistently, and it's just one game. If it's seven games, there's more to look at there. But if it's just one game, and yeah, the, you know, Chicago will probably give it its all, but I think you know, Toronto wins that game. So if Toronto plays the Heat in the next game for the Heat, do you have a chance? If they play the way they played against the Hawks, no chance. I mean, the I think the Hawks out rebound them like sixty-eight to thirty-eight, um, you know, and a lot of second-chance shots. Um, the Hawks knocked down everything they wanted to. The Heat just struggle consistently to hit shots. It's just wide-open shots are being missed. Uh, opportunities are just not being taken full advantage of. No one's boxing out for rebounds. Everyone's just letting everything slide um, defensively. They're not playing well. Trey Young had his way. Everyone had his way. Everyone was getting to the free throw line. It was just kind of a bad game for him. If they play that way against Toronto, uh, and Toronto is also has a lot of big guys there that they play with, they can easily box you out if you're not playing with a little bit more physicality to get the rebound and at least make an effort, a second effort every single play. You're gonna have a lot, a lot you know, a hard road ahead of you. But but I think you know if I really look at, it, I think the Heat get eliminated. I don't think they make it in. I think the you know the Raptors go and play the Bucks. Um, that's kind of what I thought before the play got in. And then if you look at OKC and the Pelicans, that's a harder game for me to decide because Zion obviously isn't playing in there. But I think the Pelicans are a better team than OKC. OKC is a rising team. Are they team over time? That will be really good. But right now they are just kind of um, at the peak that they could get at with the team that they have. And as young as they are, they're gonna have time to develop. Um, but right now I just don't see them winning that game. So I think, you know, I think if you're looking at the Nuggets game, I think you got, um, the, you know, the Pelicans going to play the Timberwolves in that game, in my opinion, is a little bit of a coin toss. Um, but I mean, I would have to imagine that game would go in, go in the, uh, I don't know, actually that game's you know, an impossible one for me to pick. I think if I had to guess, I'd say the Pelicans pull off that one just because experience alone, CJ McCollum, Valen Judas, you know, uh, Herb Jones, those guys that they have and how different they can be and how, how many different options and mix matches they could do and, um, and how many opportunities they have to confuse you in a lot of different ways. And the way that the, the Timberwolves fell off very badly last night and Anthony Edwards isn't playing at the high level that you would want him to, um, and just kind of some of the issues that they've had with um, uh, their guy breaking his hand and everything like that, where they don't have him on the court and things like that. I think there's going to be some different issues for him. So if I had to guess the Pelicans make that into the play, uh, the Nuggets. So that's kind of the rest of that bracket for you. But um, I would say if you're looking at the Heat, uh, the Heat Hawks game, like I said, the Hawks are now playing the Celtics. And unfortunately, as a Celtics fan, I would have really liked um, for the Hawks to have played or the the Celtics to have played the Heat as opposed to the Hawks because I think the Hawks are a sneaky team and can definitely pull off a sneaky victory out of the way of the Celtics and pull the rug out from underneath them a little bit, get that surprise victory because I think this team is a very good basketball team. I think they've got really good players intact. I just think the Celtics, you know, overall have the better better squad. But should be a fun uh, fun matchups in in uh, in the rest of the playing over the week, and then starting Saturday, that's when we get some actual playoff basketball. I'll be watching a lot of the Celtics, but like I said, probably on uh, on Friday we'll give our official picks for for the playoffs. So be uh, stay tuned for that. All right, cool. I'm looking forward to the this playing in this uh, playoffs and final. And we'll be covering all of it as it happens. Good episode. Talk to you guys soon. See ya. God bless.